And the words that he spoke, the, the words that the master spoke was like music to the servant's ears. Well done, the master said, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many, of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Well, I hope you are all well in the Lord, my friends, and that you are ready to share in the word of God this morning. Shall we pray? Our loving Father, we thank you for giving us yet another day. We thank you, Lord, for blessing us with all manner of spiritual blessings from heaven. We are here once again this morning, ready to hear your word. Father, help us to understand. And help us, O oh God, once we have understood, to share what we have learned with others. And together, Lord, I pray that we may all become one team, workers in your vineyard, with the intention of producing fruit for your kingdom. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our loving Savior. Amen. So today we are going to read from the book of uh, Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. We shall be reading from chapter 25, verses 14 to 30. Um, is a parable of the talents. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents of money and to another, two talents and to another, one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, 
you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered. You are, uh, scattered seed, that is. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, rizzy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Amen. That is the word of the Lord. Now, at this particular point in time, Jesus was in Jerusalem with only a few days left before his death. The theme of his teachings during this period had much to do about the kingdom of God, about his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his second coming, the kingdom of heaven, the, the, the day of judgment, and the end of human history. The parable of the talents and the preceding parable of ten virgins are both dealing with the subject of what the kingdom of heaven will be like in the last days. Jesus' concern is that as we as we wait for his second coming, we should, we, his church, should remain ever watchful or else we will be found sleeping. Furthermore, we are to remain active doing the work we were created to do. Failure to be watchful and failure to be fruitful have several have severe, sorry, have severe eternal consequences. So let's look at this talent uh, a little bit. Talents, it's talent of money. Uh, and all I know is that um, a talent was a large sum of money, which appears not to have been successfully converted into today's uh, currency. So it is still talents. And so Jesus is saying 
the kingdom of heaven at that particular time will be like will be like that man who left his money in the hands of his three servants or his stewards to one servant he gave five talents of money to another he gave two and to the third one he gave one talent according to each person's ability with great enthusiasm the man with the five talents went out immediately and, and and put the money to work and he gained more five five more talents and so now he had 10 in the same manner the the servant with the two talents went out and put the money to work and he gained two more talents so now he was in possession of four talents but not so the man with the one talent this one went out and dug a hole in the ground and stashed the money in there covered it with dust and waited for the consequences i suppose the man in this parable is of course jesus christ the servants are the followers of jesus christ or his we the church of jesus christ the talents are all that the god has given us in christ including the gospel and the various gifts and various ministries and the many blessings that have been distributed in the body of christ according to each person's calling and giftedness by the example of a man going on a journey and coming back after a long time jesus is talking about his own death his ascension and his eventual return to our world after a long period of time just before his ascension jesus commissioned his church to go into the whole world and preach the gospel of his kingdom brothers i don't know whether we are accustomed to thinking of the gospel as a valuable treasure left in our care in order that we may invest it and earn a profit for our master but that is what it is in this parable so let's see what the servants did because that is where our lesson lies what are the followers of jesus christ expected to do as we wait for his return his second coming to earth once again the servant the servant with the five talents went out and put the money to work and he earned 100% profit the man the, the, the servant with the two talents likewise invested them and he earned 100% profit the man with the one talent did nothing nothing of the kind that is well, of course he did something he dug a hole and he scooped out the dust and put the money in there and covered it that is activity and so there are so many activities even in our fellowships and in our churches that keep us occupied all the time 
but they, have, they, they, they do not produce any fruit that has of eternal value. And so it is all manner of business in our churches these days, building and demolishing, um, renovating, decorating and redecorating, you know, getting all manner of stuff. But in the end, nobody ever gets to give their lives to Jesus. There's no seriousness in, in the quality, in developing the quality of discipleship. It's just the same old story. Come Sunday morning, sit down where you normally sit, and woe unto anyone who you should find sitting in your normal seat. And then go home till next Sunday. The work is left undone, except for the efforts of just a few um, individuals. But then what we, we tend to forget as the Church of Christ is that one day Christ will return and we shall be called to account. What shall we say? What shall we bring to our Lord? What manner of fruit shall we bring as product of our labor? What kind of benefits shall we show to our Lord as we give account for the time that we have been here on earth and for all the gifts and all the blessings that he has invested in us? So after a long absence of time, the master returned and called his servants to give an account of what they had been doing all that period he was away. The man with the five talents, of course, brought 10 of it, and the master was exceedingly pleased. And the words that he spoke, the, the words that the master spoke was like music to the servant's ears. Well done, the master said, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many, of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then it was a turn of the man who had received two talents. He brought four talents having earned 100% profit. And to him the master said in the same words, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. My friends, let me say the once again, that sounds like music, sweet music to everybody's, anybody's ears. How I wish to hear those words said about my work here on earth. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Those words, my friends, they are so soothing. They give hope. They give comfort. They give encouragement so that even as we go through difficult times here, even as we face persecution of one nature or another, even as we go 
without uh, certain comforts because we are Christians. Even as we deny ourselves for the sake of the kingdom, a day is coming at the return of our Lord when this word shall be proclaimed, but it will only be for those who have wisely invested their time and their talents like these two servants. And so let us come to the that servant then. So he comes with his um, bando, with a bando in his hands. I would like to read these words again. His when he came to give account, I would like to read these ones again. From verse, 20, verse 26 to 13. From verse 24, verses to verse 24. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your money, your, your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, raise a servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money in on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the 10 talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now this man is, I suppose, an example of many of us who are worship, who are churchgoers, who have who keep on coming to church for a long time. They look faithful, they look decent, they talk well, they're even well liked. But they, they, they when they asked, are you a Christian? Oh yes. But are you born again? Um, um well, I, well, 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 well. You know? So we have in our churches people who are Christians, but they're not born again, which is a strange thing, isn't it? Very curious indeed, because to become a Christian, Jesus said, you have to be born again. And so this man, believing that he is a Christian, continues to be involved in the activities of the church, But he is not, he is not fruitful in whatever he does. Whatever he does has no eternal value, no eternal benefit, either to himself or to anybody else. And at the return of Christ, many are those who will come 
saying, Sir, see what I did with my time. See what I did with the work of my hands. See the buildings, I, the structures I had built. See, see the money I have contributed to, the pro, to this project. And Jesus will say, I'm sorry, I never knew you. And so this man brings his one talent, covered in dust, I suppose, after all that period in the dust, in, in, in the ground. And his words to his master uh, are quite insulting, I think, quite rude. And in fact, I struggle uh, trying to identify this person is it to be treated as a believer who has failed to, to you know, to, to, to attend to his mark as a believer? Or is he a fake, you know, Christian? Anyhow, his end is not something we need, we, 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 anyone would like to look forward to. But the warning here is, of course, that... Uh, it is in the same manner that we shall all be treated if we should fail in our, our calling in the work that has been entrusted to us by our Lord Jesus Christ as his disciples. So let us uh, look at these truths from the Bible to help us so that we shall not be found in the position of the man with one talent who hid it in the ground and, uh, and, and they, of course, uh, it failed to produce any profit for his master. The, 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 the truth I want us to dwell on is this, that we were created for work. We were created for work. Now, first of all, right from the, the book of Genesis, chapter 1, we take note of this, that God is a worker. God is a worker for he, for, for in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Thus, the creation is often referred to as the work of God's hand, or the work of his fingers. An example is in Psalm number 8, verse 3. Furthermore, in the book of Genesis, we are told that God, Genesis chapter 2, verse, verse 2, God worked for six days, and on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. In the New Testament, the book of John chapter 5, verse 17, we have Jesus saying that my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. It is not surprising, therefore, that God created Adam and put him to work. So important was Adam's labor that in Genesis 2:5 we are told that immediately after the earth was created, there was no vegetation. And God had not yet sent rain on the earth because 
there was no man to work the ground. Let it be clear to us all then, all of us who are called by the name of our Lord Jesus, that our work on earth is not, is not incidental. It is intentional. We were created for the purpose of serving our Lord. Our work is part of God's design. According to his plan and purpose, for this world. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, therefore we read, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works for which, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And concerning King David, it is written in Acts chapter 13, verse 36. For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his fathers. So, my dear good friends, are you serving God's purpose in your generation? Let us remember that the end of time, at the end of time, we shall all appear before God to give an account of our work and to receive rewards according to the quality of our work. Woe to those who will appear before God empty-handed. According to Jesus himself, they will be thrown outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So then, what lesson do we take home from this parable of the talents? One, Everything we have is a gift from God. First, um, that is, that, that's, the first, uh, that's the first thing to, to take note of. Uh, nothing is our own. As Job said, we brought nothing into this life and we shall live this life with nothing with empty hands. Yet, in this life, all Christians have received some gift from God of one kind or another, including life itself. Some gifts are of a spiritual nature. Others are of a natural nature. All our God-given gifts are our talents. Talent, in our case, means anything by which we may glorify our God. It includes our skills and abilities, our influence, our money, our knowledge, our health, our strength, our voice, our time, our senses, our reason, our intellect, our memory, our affections, our privileges, our relations, our networks, the Bible, the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, and much, much more. All these and much more are talents entrusted to us by God as his stewards, and they are to be put to work in order to gain a profit. Number two, lesson number two, 
God's gifts are for use in his service and his glory as well. The gifts we have received are not ours. We are only holding them as stewards. This needs repeating. God gave them to us for the purpose of serving him and serving other people. The Apostle Paul put it this way. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Romans 12, 5-8. And in the same manner, Apostle Peter says, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. <clears throat> now, this gospel is the gospel of Matthew. And so um, I would like us at this point then to look at Matthew's own example. Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 to 13. We shall not, I mean, we can read it in our own good time, but let me just summarize it. Matthew was a tax collector before he became a disciple of Jesus Christ. One day, Jesus found Matthew sitting at his duty station and follow me, Jesus told him. And Matthew stood up and followed Jesus. And what did Matthew do with the gifts that God had given him? Three notable things. I'm, I'm sure it is much more, but this is what I, I, get, I get from this scripture. Number one, Matthew followed Jesus and became one of his disciples. Number two, Matthew invited Jesus to dinner at his house and invited many of his tax collector colleagues and other sinners to come and meet Jesus. It, nothing is recorded as to whether any one of them put their faith in Christ, but I wouldn't be surprised. Second, let it be remembered that um, at this particular time, there were no church buildings, and for several centuries, uh, and up until about sec that or so century, there were no church buildings. People used to meet in their homes, and Matthew 
at the very, um, I mean, at, uh, at, uh, at uh, very early, uh, you know, uh, at, at this point, at this very early uh, date and point in time, you know, opened his house uh, to be a meeting place where Jesus could come and share a meal with those who needed to hear the word of God. But number three, Matthew wrote this gospel, the gospel of Matthew, which is actually the first of the gospels. Now, Matthew, uh, as a tax collector, would have been um, an educated man with, with a good knowledge of the Greek language as well. It was the language of commerce and industry. And so he put this into work and produced the Gospel of Matthew. And so our topic this morning is the sin of doing nothing. I mean, everybody who does something good is rewarded handsomely in, 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 all, the, in all the parables we read in, this, in the Bible. And all those who produce no fruit in their lives are condemned. And so it shall be when Christ returns. And so I'm saying, therefore, that when we are gifted by, our, by God and we don't put this gift into use, we have sinned. It is a sin to be idle as a Christian. And for this, <laughs> you, can, you, you can expect to be judged. Um, and for sure. Now, so with all these things that we, we have had so far, is it not amazing that uh, research shows that in many, in most churches, in, in many, you know, um, only about 10 to 20, maybe a maximum uh, 30%, of Christians are active in church. That is only 10 to 10, 20 and maximum 30 of Christians are actively involved in any kind of work of service, any kind of ministry in the church. That means then up to 70 or 80 percent are idle Christians. They just come, they're just statistics. They just come and go and come and go and hear repeatedly the gospel. But they are not active. They are not productive. They are not fruitful. They are the kind who have buried their talent in the ground. Now this research was done, um, has been done actually um, uh, overseas. But in my view, according to my own observation and experience, the results are relevant to our own context here. So 70 to 80% of regular churchgoers who are called by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ are idle. They sit in the service and do nothing thereafter. You wicked and lazy servant, the master had said to the servant who had buried his talent, you should at least have deposited my money with a bank so that it can earn some interest. The least we can do, my dear friends, if we are, ours, if we are unable to actively participate 
in God's work ourselves is to, uh, is to invest in the lives and in the ministry of others who are able to put that investment into work. My friends, to bury our talents is to miss the wonderful opportunity to glorify God with what he has given to us. And finally, I just want to look at this um, point where rewards are given. Rewards for good work and punishment for doing nothing of a poor work. So, so my dear brothers, my dear sisters, where do you stand? Where do you belong? Would you say that you are like the good and faithful servant? If so, you can expect to be richly rewarded. Well done, good and faithful servant. The master will say, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Or are you, on the other hand, like the wicked and lazy servant who chose to do nothing and spoke to his master with contempt and ridicule? If so, you can expect to be treated accordingly. You wicked, lazy servant, and then take the talent from him and give it to the fruitful servant and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Friends, let us pray that nothing like that ever happens to any of us who are listening to this message. It is not for nothing that Matthew record, recorded it. It is not for nothing that Jesus you know, give this uh, teaching through this parable, as well as the, 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 the parable of the ten virgins. Jesus wanted us to be watchful so that we are not caught asleep, as we said at the beginning. He wanted us to be, he wanted us to be productive. We have the warning of the fruitless fig tree that Jesus cursed, and it dried instantly. And these are warnings scattered all over the Bible of the fate of those who produce no fruit for the kingdom of heaven. My dear friends, let us arise while you have the opportunity to serve the Lord and to glorify his holy name. We shall be richly rewarded. And may God bless you. Let us pray. Father, we cannot pretend that we have not been warned. Now, not just now, but ever since we started hearing the gospel, both the Old Testament and the New have, dire, have proclaimed dire consequences for those who are idle, for those who receive from the Lord and they don't produce any benefits in return for the sake of our kingdom and for the sake of others. There's so much need all around, oh God. People crying for even somebody to just come and spend time with them 
just so that they can be in somebody else's company. And so we have the opportunity to bear fruit for the kingdom. Help us, Father, to get doing that, to get active as Christ would expect us to do. And we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Amen.